happy Friday to all of those listening as soon as it drops. And uh, thank you for being here. Welcome to the All In Podcast. This is your host, Natalie Allport, and today... I am joined by Jonathan Van Horn. Jonathan Van Horn is an athlete transition coach, host of The Shift Podcast, which I've had the pleasure of being on, uh, which features a lot of athletes talking about their transition out of sports as well as their sporting career. He also is a former college both soccer and basketball athlete, which we really dived into on the podcast. Um, and he talks about his new book that's coming out, Shift, uh, the Athlete's Playbook. We talk about a lot of the different things that are motivating athletes in positive or not so positive ways, how athletes can improve where they're actually getting their motivation from, as well as their mindset so that they can sustain their career and their longevity in sport. We talk about how athletes can preemptively prepare for life after sports because we all know sports end at some point, but how can we actually do it without taking our focus away? I think this is also relevant for anyone who's in some sort of career and wants to make a transition or they're going to retire eventually. How can you still improve your performance at that while kind of preparing for that next step? So without further ado, let's go all in. This is your host, Natalie Allport, and on this podcast, we dive into the mindset, knowledge, and stories behind inspiring and passionate individuals who know what it takes to go all in. So whether you're here for motivation, to learn something new, or just real conversation, I'm humbled you're listening and stoked to go all in with you. Hey, and welcome back to the All In Podcast. Today, I'm joined by Jonathan Van Horn, who's athlete transition coach and host of the Shift Podcast, which I I had the pleasure of being on. It was Mm -hmm. definitely my pleasure. So thank you so much for being here. No, thanks for having me, Natalie. I really appreciate it. Yeah, I'm excited to to dive into what you're doing now, but also like what you've done to lead up there. Could you kind of go back and kind of tell me your history in sport before we talk yeah. about what you're up to? Absolutely. So I'm from Michigan originally uh, in the U.S. and uh, I was a multi-sport athlete. So played uh, played soccer, basketball, and baseball, and then uh, the occasional track meet here and there when uh, when I had time. Uh, but yeah, just love, love sport, love to compete. Uh, and then was, was blessed to be able to play uh, soccer at university. Uh, and I was actually able to sneak in one year of, uh, of basketball in university as well as a point guard, uh, the, just a really cool story that I'll opportunity to be able to play. Uh, but yeah, I had a successful career through university, uh, and just love, love sport, love what it, what it teaches you in life and uh, as a human, uh, and, uh, like I said, had a great career and then just continued, was given the opportunity to continue to work with athletes. So I currently serve, basically serve support and mentor, uh, pro athletes now. And I've been able to take a lot of my life experience, uh, how I've developed and grown and be able to instill that into uh, younger, uh, flourishing athletes. Awesome. I love that. I, I want to touch on that story of playing basketball and soccer because <laughs> like I, like you, you know, my sports story, like I didn't get yeah. a traditional college university experience being an individual sport athlete. That's not like a college sport, mm-hmm. but from all I hear about the demands, like of being a student athlete, it's so high. So how did you, yeah. you play soccer and basketball at the same time? Same, yeah, it was, it was, it was interesting. Cause I did it my, it was actually my junior year. So I, I came in as a freshman was there, was recruited to play soccer but I love, I love to play basketball. And that was just, like I said, I love the just competing in that. And so when I got uh, to university, I went to Ohio Western University, a little division three school outside of Columbus, Ohio. And when I got there, I approached the soccer coach and said, Hey, I'd like to, would you be okay if I tried out for the basketball team? And he was like, yeah, approach the coach and see what he says. And uh, the coach that was there at the time was more of a traditional sort of old school coach. He's like, Hey, my report day is October 16th. If you can't be here for that, then you can't play for me. And I'm like, well, I'm, I'm here to play soccer. So, so no, I'm not, whatever. <laughs> and so, uh, my, uh, my, uh, my junior year though, my third year in university, he, uh, he was let go. 
And so a new coach came in and I, so I approached the soccer coach. I was like, Hey, his name is Jay. I go, Jay, can, uh, what do you, what do you think about me trying out? We're just trying. He goes, absolutely. Go for it. And so I was like, all right, fantastic. So we, you know, August, uh, first week of August, report for soccer play until the end of November, early December, depending on the playoffs. And so I approached him. I said, Hey coach, can I, can I come try out? And he was like, yeah, come out for a week. And we'll just, I think he was just sort of throwing me a bone, like Carol, you know, we'll, we'll see, you know, whatever. Uh, and so, so I, I try out he, it's the day two and he goes, he goes, yeah, Jonathan, you're on the squad. We got a spot. And I'm like, awesome. Uh, and, uh, and so that, that was, that started the, the process. So I was converted to a point guard. And when I was playing in high school, uh, we were just a running gun for basketball. So we had like three plays and we just, we, we just, we weren't super tall. We just ran teams to death. We pressed high pressure, high press, and just like, we ran three plays and that was it. And so I get the first day I'm point guard. He gives me the playbook and there's like 35, 40 plays. And I'm like, what's this? <laughs> He's like, well, you got to know all these. And I'm like, what? I'm like, this is, this is crazy. I'm like, all right. So the first like month I was just, I was still trying to figure out all the plays. Uh, Cause they're already in this. The season started about uh, a month and a half, two months before I, I showed up. So I was way behind the show as far as the progression and that kind of stuff, but it was great. I loved it. Yeah. Um, physically it was demanding. Uh, cause I was, uh, basically I had about in the course of, uh, of 12 months, I had about a week and a half off in my body at the end of, of that. Yeah. So I went from soccer, uh, to, uh, to basketball, took about three days off of after basketball season got done and went right back into soccer training again. And my body was just, uh, yeah, but it, I wouldn't trade it for the world. It was, it was an awesome experience. That's so cool. I think it's it's been interesting to see like how many multi-sport athletes from high school then go on to be very successful in university and pro, but it is rare to see a multi-sport athlete in um in university itself other than yeah. sometimes you see football and track um yeah. and those things go together. Could you touch on like what do you think the importance uh importance is for young athletes to be multi-sport athletes and yeah. get exposure to all these different sports, different coaches, different playbooks, learn these types of things? Yeah, it was, it was significant just because of the, the physical demand was so different. Like soccer, you have this endurance sport where you know, average, you know, seven, eight, nine miles in a game. Like that was that was normal. Uh, but then basketball, it's all these quick sprints and these, you know, these quick left and right movements and these quick explosions that, you know, the, the basketball court, you go maybe 10 yards here or there. And that was it. Uh, and so the fitness side of thing was really hard. So the first two weeks of basketball was like, I'm like, I could run for days, but then I put me on a court and 10 minutes, I was done. Like I was winded from all the quick short bursts and sprints. Uh, and then also the, the jumping reality is that, uh, just learning, just jumping all the time in basketball, but then going back to soccer, that first three or four weeks back in soccer, I was same thing. I couldn't run, you know, longer than 20 minutes. because The endurance wasn't there. So having this, those different muscle groups, the different, the different perspectives of, uh, of how you think and how quickly you think in basketball, you have these quick plays, these quick moments, but then you have a little bit of rest. But soccer, it's all, it's consistent all the time. There's different ebbs and flows to the game. So it forced me mentally to think differently. It forced me to, to learn new mental skills and how to approach the game and how to how to navigate the nuances of, of transition and what that looked like, uh, how to recognize things, uh, how to respond quicker, be more proactive. And then uh, just the coaching perspectives, you know, being able to have uh, different, uh, different coaches speaking different things and different ideas and thoughts. And I was able to take, uh, stuff from, I learned from basketball coach to the, to the soccer field and, and vice versa. I realized, Hey, there's things that I can lead into soccer that I can help build into. And I think to be honest, I think that was one of the reasons why the basketball coach brought me on. <laughs> I was like the 12th man. I was the guy at the very end of the bench. So I didn't, I didn't play a ton, <laughs> but, but I got to play. Uh, but I think that was, but that was part of it. He goes, just, he's like, as a leader, as a, you know, as a third year university leader, he has a younger team. 
uh, is able to come on and just give perspective to some of these younger guys that were more talented, more focused on the basketball side of things, and just and and build and invest in them. Uh, and the perspective of handling pressure and how to, you know, how to take, be willing to take that last shot. And what does it look like to have the weight of the team and the, the that winning opportunity on your shoulders and, and just navigating that with the players. Uh, so that was really good. Like I said mentally, emotionally, mindset wise, as well as uh, the, the physical aspect of it. Yeah, that it would only be beneficial to kind of have those different experiences with different mentors and coaches, because you can bring that not only to your own mindset, but to the mindset of all your peers. What's the difference in the mindsets of like a sport like basketball, where it's very high scoring. So you have a lot of chances versus yeah. a sport like soccer, where there's very small chances. You see a lot of nil-nil games. Yeah, yeah, yeah. What's the mindset difference there, especially when it comes to taking advantage of those few opportunities? Yeah, the biggest thing for me is, was progression. Like within within soccer, you know, it was if you're you're progressing toward to to score, and ideally, every time you get the ball, you want to score a goal. Like you said, nil nil, like one zero, two one. There's always low scoring games, so it's just a sense of progression and the reality of like field position and having the ball, possessing the ball. These little nuances were so important uh, to uh, uh, just to, to success. Then in basketball, it was, it's then you had these moments of run and gun where it's just up and down the court really fast, and you're you know you're putting eighty points up. Uh, but also there was the aspect of still wanting to take care of the ball. So when you got the ball, the, the goal, even though the score was still higher, every time you got the ball on the possession, you still wanted to score. And so having that same mentality transferred over, but it was it was also uh, allowed me to uh, to navigate failure a lot quicker in basketball because you're you know if you're shooting fifty percent, that's a good day. Yeah. Uh, so the reality is you're going to miss half your shots, you know, 60% of your shots are going to miss. Uh, and so just knowing that, okay, it's, it's okay. Like being able to have those mistakes and have those failures and, and not hit the mark was, was part of the process. And just learning to navigate that and be able to get it out of your mind right away. Like that was a huge, it's like, I made a mistake. It's okay. Next one, next play. That was one of the things we always said, Hey, next play, next one, or next one, something like that. And that was just to help remind ourselves that don't dwell on the mistake, learn from it, but keep going. I love that. I think that's another, like, checkbox on the pros of being a, a multi-sport athlete because you learn these different lessons that perhaps you wouldn't have learned as much as yeah. fast in soccer because of the, just the nature of play of basketball. So that's, that's really cool. I, I selfishly want to ask you about the energy system side, because obviously you touched on the conditioning and how soccer mm -hmm. is such a different sport energy system wise from, you know, the more anaerobic in a sense, just explosive yeah. nature of basketball. Um, was it just kind of suffering through those first few weeks of transition into practice? Yeah. Or was there, were there things that you did in the differences of your training when it came to energy systems to be able to transition into endurance and then transition back into like power explosive? Yeah, good question. Yeah, it was, I, I really looked for the, where are the similarities? Like that was for me is what's the, use that as a starting point from the similarities and then, and then really focus on where do I need to go from there? And so uh, within soccer, our warmups, a lot of times we do agility and like ladders uh, or use cones for some, some, you know, uh, some diagonal or horizontal movements. Uh, so I was like, okay, we're doing that in basketball as well. So I'm like, okay, I know that I'm, su I'm sufficient, really proficient in those spaces. Let's start there. And then what's the next progression? So uh, within soccer, it's, you, know, we do like one twenties, which is the length of the, of the, the soccer field. I said football, that's what's <laughs> football. Uh, so it's length, it's length of the field. So we do that, you know, you'd have to run 15 seconds down and then you're like 45 seconds to get back. So you have full, a full minute to do, to do a full down the back. And then in basketball, it was more like a quick five, you know, five feet or 10 feet in these quick explosions. So I just said, okay, I just, I'm going to focus on those, those, uh, those quick explosive movements. And so I'd stay after practice and I'd do like, you know, from the baseline to the free throw line in the back and then to the 
half court and then back and then back to the free throw line, then to the, then I mix up and go to the three point line. So these more quicker explosive, just to train my body to get used to that and to recover. And then similar to, like I said, that in uh, soccer, we had a long 45 second recovery. I did the exact same thing then with basketball. Okay. I got 15 seconds and I'm going again, just knowing that just part of the game, that what's happening in the game is going to be similar to that, where I may have five seconds, may have three seconds to recover. And I just got to force myself to, to leverage the base that I have, the similarities, but then also realize, okay, I got to push myself in these new areas to, to retrain my, my heart and my lungs and my capacity. And then also a lot of it too, was my, was the, was the muscles in my legs, like just mm. the quick turning the angles. So my calves, ankles, uh, a quick explosion with the hamstrings, the jumping movements, that kind of stuff that was just was retraining. And so that was, that was the biggest thing is like, okay, what are the areas that I'm weak in that I need to adjust and then the same thing going back to soccer is like, okay, I got to really work on my endurance and my longevity. So it, it sucks, but I have to do 120. So I got to go <laughs> and, you know, and do the, you know, do the, the three miles and sub 21 minutes. Like you just got to, you just got to do it and just force yourself to do that extra work to get caught back up. Cause I was, I was behind. Right. And that, that first month of basketball was brutal because I was, everyone else is already fit. Like they're already, they've already playing games. They, they've got that fitness and I was, I was lagging. So it's like, I got to get caught up. Yeah. Ah, that's, that's really cool to see the transition between the two sports. I know watching like, for example, the Michael Jordan documentary, you see how his coach completely transformed him into a baseball athlete. And then when he wanted to come back to basketball, there was so much work to be done just to transition the body. And I think people kind of forget that when they're looking externally at athletes, they're like, Oh, they're good at this. So they can do that. But we forget that like, even our hearts are built in different ways. For example, yes. in the sport that I do, I've realized a lot of like my strengths is like power and explosiveness. And so being able to do like one minute super hard on the assault bike, it's built up like a thickness in my heart versus to be enduring. You want to actually build up like an enlargement of your heart. Um, yeah. And then when it comes to like, for example, CrossFit, you want to be good at both. So you need to like meet somewhere in the middle. So yeah. it's, there's a lot of different changes that go on in your body. And then like you already touched on in the mind too to be able to go back and forth to these sports. So yeah, kudos to you. Cause I could not even imagine playing two sports at the same time of like managing school uh, and everything at that level. Um, but how was that transition for you as an athlete then going into kind of the world of coaching and supporting other athletes? Yeah, it was uh, it was a mixed bag. Like, cause there's like, I was still around athletes. And so I saw the, 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 the aspects of being on a team and still competing and what I missed but I was then an outsider. Right. And so I wasn't, I wasn't actually, I was around it, but I wasn't in it. And that was really, that was really hard for me. Uh, just because it's like, I missed that. I miss, I missed the connectedness. I missed the camaraderie. I missed the, the, the banter, the laughter, the memories, the road trips. And, and now I was the, I was the support staff type person on the outside, sort of looking in going, oh, I wish I was there. Yeah. And so that, and that, so that was a whole nother, just a, a process, just from a, a mindset for myself going, okay, I'm no longer the guy doing the work. I'm the one who's now helping the athlete become better. And so that was for me, even with just a, a journey of it itself, a transition, just trying to figure out, okay, how do I, how do I transition, not wanting to be the person competing and putting myself in their shoes, but I'd rather, how do I step on the outside to empower the athlete to be more successful, yeah. uh, to, to develop and to grow and, and that was a journey. Like for me, the person was a journey because I still, you know, when you're 23, 24, you're st- I'm still, I was still athletic. I could still play, could still compete. I'm like, I can jump out there. I can still co- I can still play, but it was like, no, that's not your job. That's yeah. not- 
And so that was, so that, that, that process was, was good, but it also gave me a, a perspective to step back. And this is something from a mental standpoint, being able to step back and, and see what was actually going on in the forest to mix the trees, if you will, uh, as, as the perspective was significant change for me. Uh, and then also help having, using that perspective then to empower the athlete, to help them see a different, different, maybe a different angle or a different avenue of, of how they're developing and how they're growing. Right. How was it like with like the ego side of things? Cause an, an example of something that I went through was once I, I retired, I remember like a month later, I went to this CrossFit competition to watch some people and you compete. And it was, I remember going back to the hotel room. I was like, I can't watch this. And everyone thought they're like, why? Like what, what is going on? And I was like, yeah. I'm used to being that person, like that everyone's coming and watching. And as much as it seems like silly, like, it's like, why do I want to be that person? It was like, you get used to that as an athlete of having the mm-hmm. crowds cheering you on, of being like yep. that person in your friend group that everyone's coming to support. Um, how was that like? like for you uh when your name is no longer chanted or in the headlines that it's hard and yeah. like uh and i think the, the, one of the things that was really that's really helped me perspective wise is that uh is what drives me what what's what really gives me passion and desire is is other people it's seeing other people flourish and so when, when it, was, it was just having that in perspective I think, but that was a journey too. Like that was part of the, for my own personal self growing and my own self-awareness, how am I wired? How am I created? What are my strengths and abilities? What's my life experience? What has it taught me? So leveraging all those things and realizing, okay, it's not just about me. And when realizing it's not just about me, I'm there to influence the space that I've been entrusted with, you know, my, uh, the arena in which I'm in now and my arena is no longer on the soccer pitch or on the basketball court. It's it, my arena is with empowering these, these other athletes and these other, these other humans uh, to be successful in the spaces that they're in and to influence not only athletically, but just positively influence the spaces in which they're in, uh, whether it's community neighborhoods, universities uh, or professional clubs with fan base, that kind of stuff is having a greater impact in those spaces. Uh, but it was, it's still hard. Like, yeah. you know, you still like, like it felt good. Like I remember like even just like, uh, married, uh, had my first, my daughter, uh, it's probably married for four or five years. And I was at a, a garage sale and there was a kid, uh, not, it wasn't a kid. They were back from university. They're like, Oh, you're Jonathan. You, you played soccer at Ohio Wesley. And I was like, yes, <laughs> I, that is me. I'm like, this felt awesome. Like it was like, someone still remembers me. <laughs> Oh my God. It was, it was, it was awesome. And they were, they came to like this, some camps that I coached at and they'd watched me play when they were in middle school. And you know, this was like, you know, seven, eight years before that, but it was that sense of someone still knows my name, (laughs) (laughs) but it it was a little boost of the ego, but it was a sense of also the the reality of that setting is that that's no longer, that's no longer my job. It's, it's, and that I'm okay with that. It's not my role. That's not my role in the space that I'm in within society, the community, that athletic space. It's more to invest in the athlete and empower the athlete. It's not just, it's not about me. Right. Yeah. And I think a lot of athletes, and I mean, I think this is the same thing for, I mean, we're seeing it probably with social media influencers, with um, celebrities, like whatever it is that you're doing where people are watching, it's in kind of the entertainment type industry that, that you, your self-belief starts being tied into something that's temporary, like how many followers you have, um, you being an athlete and people watching you, like at some point people stop watching, like Michael Jordan is still relevant as a name. People aren't out there cheering his name at games anymore like he's not that guy out there um so for everyone these things come come to an end your album sales drop what whatever it is how can we 
um, either, you know, overcome that later on or preemptively tie our self-belief into something that isn't temporary like this. So that when the crowd goes away, we're going to be okay. Yeah. I'm a, you know, I'm a firm believer that when we, we answer the question, who am I? And that I deal with identity and who is self is that we need to make that foundation in something that can be taken away. And that's, and, and, that, and that, that's hard. It could potentially be difficult to identify what is that thing. So maybe whether it's a purpose, a cause, uh, or maybe it's, uh, it's, it's family, it's uh, a loved one or whatever it may be, a, a spiritual faith, whatever it may be, but it's something that can't be taken away. Uh, but then also it's tied to, it's tied to also a character. You know, it's just, what is it, what does your best self look like? And, and when your identity and self is, is a person of excellence or uh, someone said it was uh, what they said, uh, show, show up, filled up. That was their, that was their mantra, show up, filled up. And so it was a sense of, Hey, I'm, I'm going to show up filled up in this space to, to be at my best, to be excellent, regardless of what's happening. And like, that's like, that's who I am. I show up filled up. And so it's like having something like that or along those lines that allows you to step into the space regardless of the environment, uh, but also recognizing that it can't be taken away from you. Like that having, having that pursuit of excellence or that character of person of courage, like that can't be taken away. That, that's a choice that you make each and every day to, to act courageously in the space or to be resilient or, or to like said, maybe a faith perspective or whatever it may be, uh, you're able to take that with you as who you are. Uh, and regardless of the circumstance and the environment and the things, specifically the things that are completely out of your control, like I said, album sales, sport, you know, those things majority of the time are not in your control. Yeah. Like whether you sign a new contract is not up to you. It's up to the GM or it's up to the coach. Uh, whether you sell albums or books or increase your followers is based on someone else's choice. And so you have no control over that. Uh, so it's just, it's recognizing that. Yeah. And I think a lot of us also, especially as athletes, we get, we tie our identity to performance or outcome-based goals. Like we mm-hmm. have this end goal of, for example, for me, it was like, I want to go to the Olympics and then I will never be happy until I get there. And like who I am is someone who is trying to, to be that, right. And I won't fully yeah. be who I am until I get there. How can we move away from that type of motivation and shift our goals into what you kind of said of making sure that foundation is something that can't be taken away. Yeah. I think part of it is recognizing the, uh, the what uh, Simon Sinek calls it the infinite game. And it's realizing that our life is not just about self, our life and our influence and impact on this earth is not only for, for others, but also for, uh, for generations. So a lot of the guys, the athletes that I work with, we talk about generational impact. And so whether you come from lower income or poor neighborhoods or you come from affluence is that we want to generationally have an influence in the, in, in the spaces that we, we inhabit. Uh, and so it's just, what does that begin to look like? Is that's when you play that long game, it's not just about this moment or this next season or this next uh, Olympic cycle or world cup cycle. It's, it's about something greater than that. And so when we have that, that vision of, of, of longevity and the infinite game, we're able then to, step into the moments and still pursue success. Still want to, you want to play, you want to be in the Olympics. You want to win the, the, you know, the championship trophy. You want to, you want to achieve those things, but your sense of self and your significance and your value isn't determined or based on the, on the, on winning those things. Uh, mm-hmm. So it's not that the desire goes away because like, I'm going to ask my wife, I'm still one of the most competitive people she you know, <laughs> out there, like monopoly deal and other card games. Oh, my kids yeah. are like, dad, what? Oh, like, come on, dad. I'm like, I'm, I'm winning. I don't care. I'm winning. 
We have a Monopoly nice. deal scoreboard. Yes, yes. Love it. <laughs> yeah, we, I play, played a game with my daughter before school this morning. Like that's like we that's we're we're competitive and and that's okay. That that's actually there's, there's beauty in that competitive nature and that competitiveness. But it's the where it begins to 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 turn is when we begin to base our sense of self and value and significance whether or not why we win or not. And that's that's where the issue. Is. So it's like okay, how does how does developing competitiveness, uh, willingness to to be a good loser. Uh, to accept loss in a, in a healthy way, uh, but not settle there, but also still striving to be successful, to to find progression, to to pr- pursue growth, uh, and having that long game. So I want my I have three daughters, so I want my all my girls to be competitive. I want them to to live courageously. I want them to be a voice of hope in the spaces in which they inhabit, and I want them to find success in sport and and academics and whatever they end up deciding to to pursue. Uh, but uh, but I don't want their value and significance to to be based on those results. And so I want them to fully know they're fully loved, that they, regardless of what their choices are, the love that I have for them will never change. And right. so that's so, so important, really emphasizing that. Now, I find that a lot of athletes, we, we like to learn things the hard way sometimes. And uh, definitely the case in my, in my story. And like going through these things of having identity tied to these, these outcome-based results and these mm-hmm. types of things, it's like that that then has shifted it to to learn the opposite way, right? Yeah. How can the younger athletes who maybe they don't yet have the platform to make an impact on their direct community, but how can they start to build those those things and realize that's what they want to do and that's who they are rather than mm-hmm. like, oh, I, I just can't wait till I, I become the college athlete. I can't wait till I go pro. Yeah, yeah, yeah. How can we build it into that the younger athlete so they don't have to repeat these same mistakes? Yeah, it's good. Yeah, it's a good question. Uh, the thought that really comes to mind is the faithful with little, faithful with little, faithful with much. Uh, and you don't start, when you start competing as an athlete, you don't, you're not doing all these crazy, you know, moves and uh, things uh, on the very beginning. You start real basic, simple, like within, within soccer, it's simple touches. You're taking a touch. And then if you're juggling the ball, it's one juggle at it. You started with one juggle, one touch, and that's it. Uh, same with basketball. It's one dribble. Like it's simple. There's really simple. Then you maybe learn maybe a crossover or a, a, maybe a, for soccer, it's a step over. But it's it's a progression, and it's the same way with within this that, that mindset and that the reality of my sense of identity is that you don't try to do all these great things all at once. It starts it starts simple, starts small. Uh, there's um, James Clear uh, Atomic Habits talks about that. It's like the, the these micro habits. He's, yeah, it's a fantastic book. Uh, it's a sense of uh, you want to create a new habit. It has to start with something so in so minuscule that your brain can't trick you to stop. Yeah. So it's like, it's so, it's so, it's so small, so minute that it's like, it's just something where like you, it's, it's, it's a no brainer. It's yeah, I can do this a problem. And it's starting there. And then that habit, as you develop that habit, you can grow over time. And it's the same way with their influence is that I truly believe that we all have influence, whether you're, whether you're, you're five years, six years old, just getting started, you can have an impact in someone's life. We're, we're, you're, you're a leader or you're, you know, you're, you're 25 and you're on the national team and you're playing in the world cup or the Olympics, you can have influence. And so it's just recognizing that. So it's faithful with the little things and knowing that that's going to build momentum and snowball in a positive way uh, to be faithful with those big things. But it starts, starts small. 
Mm, yeah, that's some great points. I think that's a, that's a mistake with athletes. I think we often think we have to do something really big when we forget the impact of doing something really small. Like for example, a lot of athletes and motivation might be their family. Um, you know, for, for some time I was like, I want my grandma to come see me at this competition or whatever it is. And now I realize like what she wants is to spend time with me. And if she can come, like she used to come and hang out at the gym with me, or now I do a zoom class every day, uh, virtually with her to get her. That's awesome. like, but those are the things that actually matter and at any age any stage in our in our progression we can do that versus often Mm -hmm. we see that athletes are like no i can't spend any time with my family because i need to like make it and then i can like pay for them for the house or or do this when it's like what would have mattered it just spending that hour each day or whatever it is um yeah it just it's it's interesting um how we always we kind of think that we need to do things in a very big way, but we forget the impact of the small things. And um, we forget where our true motivation might come from. For example, if it is to like buy our parents this house or whatever it is, then like uh, amazing. But what are some things that you can do now to like make your parents yeah. like better? And often that could be just spending your time with them. Yeah. Well, and having the, and making those memories like that, like, like my daughters are going to remember more the Monopoly deal games before <laughs> school than they will anything that I've done athletically or business-wise or any of that kind of stuff. But that's, that's what they're going to remember. And that's what's going to have a significant influence in their lives, uh, you know, 20, 30 years down the road. Uh, right. And it's, it's making those memories together. And that's, and like, I, when I look at my life, like, I, I, I don't know about what your athletic, like growing, growing up was, but I, don't, I, I remember going to tournaments and I mean, there's certain moments. Yes. You remember those moments, but I really remember a lot of the relationships and the fact that my, my parents were in the stands uh, just yeah. because of life circumstance and just uh, work. And because my parents just, they have, my dad's working multiple jobs. Like they weren't able to come to a lot of my games. So I remember when they were there and that meant so much to me that they were there cheering me on and, and, and celebrating me. Uh, and that was, that was awesome. And so I, those are the things that I remember, not necessarily the fact that I won a tournament in Louisville, Kentucky. <laughs> <laughs> yeah That's yeah 100 percent. It's, it's that time spent like I don't even well actually I was going to say I don't remember the uh the amount of times I've lost at Monopoly deal to my boyfriend just a time but I do remember I do remember because we got the scorecard up there and he's won, <laughs> he's won twice as much as I have and it drives me insane <laughs> oh it- <laughs> Uh, we are, yeah, we, we, uh, we definitely, there's definitely a tracking system. It may not be a board, but there's definitely an internal, like you've won the last four games. I'm like, I know it's okay. <laughs> <laughs> oh man, that, that game can get heated. It drives me so crazy. If he just wins right off the bat and I'm just like, oh. and then uh, Dak's like, oh, just another win. And I'm like, oh, like we're playing yeah, until yeah. Win, and then we're ending this. Yeah. <laughs> <laughs> oh, that's awesome. Man. Yeah. That's, that's a great game. So how, how can athletes, um, like prepare for their life after sport while they're in it, but without like taking away focus. Cause I think a lot yeah. of athletes, they think if I'm going to start preparing for my life after sport, it's going to take away from me, like giving it all to be an athlete right now. But I, I find it's probably not the case if you do it in the right manner. Yeah. yeah. One of the things I said, being a, a multi-sport athlete through high school, one of the things I learned was, uh, was that the importance of, of different perspective, different aspects of sport and different ways of my body can, can train and be successful. Uh, and I take that a lot of the same perspective, uh, even as you become, uh, an elite athlete university or pursuing the Olympics or at the pro level is that when you have other things that you're thinking about or, or processing about or pursuing, it actually makes you better in your sport. Uh, and just cause you're not only focused singularly on one thing when you're able to have some of those mental breaks to think about, uh, maybe marketing or, 
uh, or business or a nonprofit or uh, another cause that you have a desire to have to be part of the solution to begin to think about that or just taking that time away as a from with family time just having some of those relational connections outside of the sport when you're doing that that allows you actually to be more successful in your sport because your body your brain needs time to rest but also to think about other things and you're creating some of those new neural pathways in your in your brain to allow your brain to function at a higher capacity and when you increase that emotional capacity increase that capacity within your brain you're actually able to compete at a higher level and so, again, it doesn't have to be significant. It doesn't have to be huge. But what are some of those things that are, you are passionate about? Like, what are some things uh, when you were 15 or 16 and you were like, just sort of all of a sudden was like, hey, that actually, that was fun. And I heard a buddy talking about it. I'm like, oh, that'd be cool to do that. But I can't because I got to focus on my sport. What were some of those things? So have guys go through a process of, of identifying their story and looking at what were those things outside of the sport uh, that they were competing in that brought them joy, that were maybe it was exciting or just intrigued them. And I'm like, let just spend, spend a few months, go get one book, <laughs> Not, again, small steps, you know, what, go get one book on this topic or find a blog or someone that's a podcast or just something that is uh, around this one aspect and just dive into it a little bit and just begin to explore. Again, may, remember when you were just getting started, just these little exploratory touches or trainings and just begin to see what it was all about and it's doing the exact same process. So start small, explore other things. And, and if it doesn't work out, that's okay. Like that was, that was one of the things that's like, Hey, if, if, it, if it, you get into it and you're like, this is awful. I don't, I hate marketing. Okay. No problem. Or, or I don't want to be my own business owner. That seems that just, well, what that has to go with that, all the, the, the weight on your shoulders. Like, I don't want that. Right. No problem. Uh, but it's just beginning to explore some of those options and really begin to imagine what could be. Uh, Cause when you're done playing, you know, that's when you're 29, 30, 35, even the great careers that end at 35 and the 40, some guys playing in their forties, you still have so much life ahead of you. And so many more opportunities to have an impact in the space and the, what you're in and the influence that, you're, that you've been given. And so let's, let's make the most of it. Like when you have that long per, that long-term view, that infinite game, by perspective, you're able to have such a significant impact in, in, in communities and culture. So let's maximize that. I absolutely love that you brought up that you might not like some of these things, but getting that taste for it, because I think sometimes people, for example, they'll leave their nine to five for like this thing that they've always wanted to do, or they hear like being an entrepreneur is great, whatever. And then they start it and they're like, I actually hate this. I would rather yeah. have the, the, the um, structure of a, of a nine to five or yeah. um, the freedom or whatever it is. And so if you can just give yourself that little taste, it's going to help you speed up the process of just figuring out what is right for you and what isn't. Because often it's hard for us to really pinpoint what we want, but it's easy mm -hmm. to pinpoint what we don't want. And so if we can keep eliminating yeah. those options, we're going to figure out the path for like, okay, this is what I'm passionate about. And I know I tasted these things. So I've like scratched that itch and I don't have to go back there. That's right. No, that's so good. And I think in the reality is within sports the same way, right? Like when you, you're starting to, to pursue something, there's failure, there's setbacks, but then there's opportunities and there's growth and there's maturation in, in that, in that whole process. And it's, a, it's the same idea. And I think that's, there's so many transferable uh, skills and concepts from sport to, to life and post-playing that you, that you can maximize from identity to passion, to just the, the process and the journey that athletes are on and how that same process is applicable to business, to uh, education, to coaching or whatever it may be. And it's just, it's just helping you shift that little, that subtle shift in your, in your mindset of saying, okay, these same ideas, these same skills that I've cultivated for years now are applicable to business, are applicable to coaching, are applicable to whatever that vocation, potential vocation could be. 
Right. So you have a, a book coming out, Shift the Athlete's yep. Book. Could you walk through like what that book is, what it helps people with, and maybe some of the main points? Yeah. So uh, Shift, it's a, it's actually an acronym for it's a frame, a five step framework uh, to help athletes in that successful transition. And the framework is similar. We've been talking about identity, understanding who you are. So it starts off with like an athlete's preseason. So having your own preseason, uh, understanding just who are you, your story, your values, understanding who am I, understanding, uh, who's you, who's am I, uh, which is an idea of, of where we put our adoration and our worship. Uh, and then it moves to passion. Like what's your driving force? Like, why do you do what you do? Like, what is it? What's at the, co- the core essence of who you are? And then have it go through a process of, of beginning to think about uh, uh, what uh, what could the future look like? So it's a sense of a combination of enjoying the journey, but also recognizing what what's the next potential next destination, not the final destination, but what's the next stop. We used to take a lot of road trips growing up. So we would we would never just go to wherever we're going. We'd always take these little pit stops along the way. So what what is that next step beyond playing? And then it's more practical stuff, the last, the last, the uh, focus and uh, limiting beliefs and really taking action in the daily habits and understand what are some of the practical applications, goal setting, that kind of stuff to really help begin to, to put in place the more uh, internal identity values uh, in your story and your life experiences. Awesome. That sounds like it's going to help a lot of athletes. And before we move to uh, some of the last questions, when that book does come out, where are people going to be able to go find it? Yeah, it's going to be at uh, shiftmystory.com. Uh, and so again, the name of the book is Shift, the Athletes Playbook, Five Proven Steps to Life After Sports. And shiftmystory.com is where you'll be able to find access to it. Uh, we're going to in the process of putting together a launch team to be able to help with uh, just uh, promoting the book, but also there'll be some behind the scenes uh, little nuggets and some other little, some other little fun bonuses that people, if they uh, participate in that. Awesome. That sounds awesome. So there's two questions I always like to end things on. Um, right. The first one is, out of all the daily habits that you have, um, what is the one that is the biggest game changer for you? And it, it can't be Monopoly deal. <laughs> <laughs> uh, for, for me, it's uh, my gratitude journal. Mm-hmm. Uh, starting the day three, and it's just quick. It's three things. What am I thankful for? And so it's, it could be the the birds that I can hear through the window. It could be the, uh, you know, we have chickens. So it could be, oh, I can see the chickens playing this morning. Or it could be just the, the coffee and the silence before the chaos of my kids getting up uh, the, and, or sitting at the, the kitchen table with my wife for a few minutes. Uh, just the, it just so it's quick, real quick, three things. Takes up a third of the page. It's really small. So that's really helpful. It just And it's, it helps me set my mindset for the day. It's that, that's the starting point. And, that's, and then I, I'm, going, I'm off. Awesome. I love that. And the last one is if you're at the end of your life, uh, whether it's a hundred, 200 years, you're looking back, what's the impact that you wanted to have made in one word? Oh, goodness. All right. Influence. Positive influence. Awesome. Awesome. Well, thank that's, you so much. That's hard. It is. I it is hard. <laughs> Please no one ask me this. <laughs> yeah, but it, it, it's a tough one. I used to actually ask people um, the same thing, but uh, one, first I was shortening people's lives. So I was like, you're 99 years old. It's like, who knows? Elon Musk could extend our lives by then. No idea. Right. Um, and then the other one was, it was legacy um, was the word I use, but I, I prefer using impact now because I think, you know, we think about legacy, but how many, like in your family, you might be remembered, mm. but like, there's very few people apart from Albert Einstein and a few people that were yeah. like really just 
going to remember their names forever. Right. So it's like impact. It's like yeah. all of those small ripples that, that you yeah, can create. Yeah. So, um, yeah, really appreciate yeah. you being on. Thank you for sharing your tips. Definitely. We'll, uh, put that link to, uh, shiftmystory.com in, in the show notes so people can find it. Anyone listening in, uh, when the book comes out, when, when do you think the book is coming out? Uh, this summer. So we're looking at, uh, the end of June, early July. Awesome. Awesome. Well, well thanks again for being on. This is, uh, this has been awesome. Thank you so much for having me. Hey, I think that the greatest gift in life is presence. So thank you so much for gracing me with your presence of tuning in to this episode. Now, something that I would appreciate a ton and would help this podcast keep growing is if you, one, take a screenshot of this episode and share it on your social media so more people can find the podcast and hopefully we can help impact more people. As well as number two is if you can leave a rating and a written review. That means so much. And once again, thank you for being here.